All right, we do want to spend a little bit of time in God's Word uh, this morning. And uh, I say a little bit of time because it will be um, a, brief, a brief message. We're going to be in Matthew, Matthew chapter 2 today, Matthew chapter 2. Uh, Jacob read probably the most familiar um, Christmas story account found in Luke chapter 2. And uh, this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2. We're going to be looking at the wise men, the wise men. I don't know about uh, your, your families, uh, but if your families are anything like our family, uh, we have had a busy month, a busy month. Um, matter of fact, even uh, this last week, our family went up. We went uh, tubing uh, up in the Sierras and uh, had just a, just a great uh, family day. But uh, the holidays are always a busy, a busy time. But uh, I hope that uh, this morning we can kind of set aside the busyness of the holidays and really focus on uh, Christ, really the reason uh, for the season. And so I'll have you stand out of respect for God's Word, and we're just going to read just a handful of verses uh, today. This is Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1, and it says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And and assembling the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are, not, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that had been uh, seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and while while they fell down and worshipped him, and then opened up their treasures, and they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Let's stop there and we'll ask the Lord's blessing upon our time. Lord, we do thank you for uh, the Christmas story. We thank you for the, the Luke account, uh, which reminds us that uh, Mary and Joseph, they traveled a, a far distance from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And that uh, all of this was, was prophesied beforehand, that, that the child would be uh, born in Bethlehem. And even the angels came and, and rejoiced and, and told the, uh, the shepherds the good news of what had happened. And Lord, as we focus here on, on the uh, three wise men, or I should say the wise men account, Lord, and we know that this doesn't happen uh, that Christmas night, but happens probably... Um, Several months or even a, a couple years later, Lord, we do pray that you would use this text uh, to touch our hearts. And as we think about uh, the Christmas story, as we think about your love, may it once again impact us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
We've been, uh, over this last month, we've been looking at some Old, uh, Old Testament texts and, and how they, they prophesy that the Christmas story. And so I just want to point ourselves, we're not going to put up anything on the screen, as you may be aware already, uh, because it's just going to be a brief time in, in God's Word. But uh, there is one thing that was revealed by God Himself in the Old Testament, and it is found in Exodus 34, 6. Now, I say it's revealed by God himself because this is not what Moses thought God was. Instead, what we're about to read here is what God told Moses he is. And so this is in Exodus 34, 6, and it says this, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, that is Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Now, that phrase, merciful and gracious, uh, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, is really communicated throughout the Old Testament. I just did kind of a, a, word, a word study on that, that phrase there. And you can really find that same idea throughout the Old Testament is repeated over and over again. It's one thing that the Old Testament writers reflected on, the fact that God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. But I don't really feel like that is fully flushed out until the Christmas story. Because in the Christmas story, we truly understand God's mercy and grace. The fact that God would leave heaven, all the glories and worship, all the things that we look forward to, he left all of that and he came to earth to live in man's place and to die in man's place. And so in the New Testament, we truly understand God's mercy and grace. Matter of fact, in our bulletin today, we see a verse found in 1 John 4, 9, and it says this, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. So in this, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Again, this is uh, the writing of John. This is 1 John 4, 9. It says this, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him through him. Really, the Christmas story is a story about God's love for mankind. And so I've actually entitled my message this morning, The Christmas Story of Love, because that's really what it is. When Jesus Christ came to earth, and he left heaven, and he walked in man's shoes, really what it was communicating is God's love for us and his love for us. And so today we want to look at two possible reactions to the Christmas story as pictured through the wise men and King Herod. So the first illustration, the first reaction that we want to look at is the wise men. And so look there in your text in Matthew chapter 2 and look at verse 1 that says this, And after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and came to worship him. Now, first of all, who are these wise men? Sometimes we connect these wise men to kings. I think there's a hymn 
Uh, we three kings of Orientar, that's, that's not the wise men. Uh, the wise men were actually uh, magi. They were like magicians. They, they were people who um, worshipped. No, they didn't worship. They, they practiced astronomy. They could have been dream interpreters. They studied sacred scriptures. Matter of fact, that word magi in the Greek actually means experts in the mysteries in Persia and Babylon. And so that's one of the reasons why we believe that these wise men were from uh, Persia because of their title. But they weren't just wise men, they were Gentiles. So, so they, weren't, they weren't really uh, studied in, in the Hebrew Scriptures. This, this promise that was passed down from Abraham and, and to David really wasn't for them, and yet... They came to worship the king. And so these men were Gentiles. These men were wise men. They were magis in the Greek. These men were also wealthy men. They were scholars. They were scientists in their own right. We know based upon their profession. We know based upon the, the, how far they traveled. And, and I wish I was showing um, a, a uh, slide today because... I actually have where Jerusalem and Bethlehem is and, and where Persia is. And you can see how far they traveled. And, and for us today, we think, well, travel is not a big deal. Because we just get on an, well, we go through security. We get on an airplane and then we fly somewhere and it's relatively quick. But that's not how it was in Jesus' day. It was dangerous. It took a long time took finances. And so here these wise men were wealthy based upon their profession, based upon the distance they traveled, and also upon the gifts that they gave. Look at verse 9. It says this, after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Notice their response at seeing that star. When they saw that star, it was not obligation. There was no fear. There was no guilt. There was no pressure. What, did they, what was that, that feeling that they were sensing? The fact that here the star has moved. It has pointed out that babe of Bethlehem, that king of the Jews. What was that reaction exceedingly with great, they rejoice exceedingly with great joy. And so they were not there out of obligation. They were not there out of fear. They were not there out of guilt. They were not there because they were pressured into worshiping the babe of Bethlehem. They were there to rejoice. They were there with great joy. And so these men were excited to worship this newborn babe of Bethlehem, this king of the Jews. Look at verse 11. And going to the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then they opened up their treasures, and they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When these men saw Jesus, they bowed down and worshipped him, and then they gave him some expensive gifts. That, that, that gold there is, is really a gift fitting for a king. That's, that's what you would normally give to a king is, 
is gold and, and treasures and rubies. And, and here they are, they're offering this, this babe and, and his family gold. That second gift that's listed there is, is frankincense. That is, that is a gift meant for worship. So oftentimes that fragrance would come in and, and worship, and so they gave this, this fragrance. And then that last thing they gave is myrrh. It's another fragrance, but it's not connected to worship. Actually, it's connected to death. And so what a fitting gift for this babe of Bethlehem, the king who should be worshipped, but would one die, one day die for mankind. But notice there was another gift that they gave. Another gift that's not really listed here, but is really pointed out in in our text here. They gave of their time. They gave of their personal finances to worship a child they hadn't even met. They left possibly Persia and traveled this long distance brought these things, they, they wouldn't have traveled by themselves. Oftentimes, our picture of, of the nativity is, is similar uh, to down here, and, and we have a couple of wise men here, but they would have had a group with them because traveling the distance that they traveled, they would have had to have security with them. It wouldn't have just been three guys. Now, why do we think it was three wise men? Well, because there's three gifts given, and so... Uh, Sometimes we, we go, okay, well, maybe there was three gifts that were listed because there was three men that, that brought three gifts. It could have been that there was maybe two men and one guy brought two gifts and the other guy brought one gift. Or it could have been that there was 50 men and that only three gifts were actually recorded in the Word of God. So we don't know if it was three or less or more, uh, but we do know that there was wise men and probably more than just the wise men. So here they take their time and their finances and security with them, and they travel this distance, and they don't even know for sure if that child is there or not, but they believe that he is. And why do I say I, they believe that he is? Based upon their words in verse 2. Look at verse 2. Notice what they said, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Notice they did not ask, has there been a king of the Jews? Has there been born a king of the Jews? The question is not if there is a king. The question is, where is the king? So they left. They gave up of their time in their finances, and really their security to worship a child they had not yet met. This points out the fact that the way that they looked at this, this gift, this, this king of the Jews, this gift from God, they looked at the babe of Bethlehem in confidence, in worship, in giving, and lastly, in obedience. And I get obedience from verse 12. Notice in verse 12, it says this, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed on their own way, uh, departed their, to their own country by another way. And so before they left Beth- Bethlehem, God warned them not to return to Herod, and they obeyed. 
So this is really kind of our takeaway from the, this, first, this first view, the, the way that they reacted to this gift. This is our first takeaway. Of all people we might find in the Christmas story, here we find wealthy Gentile magi who have come to worship the babe of Bethlehem. We would, we would think that maybe we would have Maybe the people that are in Jerusalem that are, I think, like five miles away. They, they could have easily traveled to worship the king. We, we might think that King Herod may have went to worship the king, or maybe the chief priests and the scribes that, that told Herod where to find the child. But no, the group that is recorded for us today is a group of wealthy Gentile magi People who studied the stars but had come to worship the babe of Bethlehem. And this is a reminder that anyone who follows the light of God that God gives him won't miss that opportunity to worship at the feet of Jesus. But of course, not everyone. Not everyone in our account looked at God's gift with confidence, worship, giving, and obedience. Because next we see King Herod's response. And King Herod did not respond in the same way that that the wise men did. And so look at verse 3. We're going to look at King Herod's response. When when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Now, who was King Herod? We're oftentimes familiar with King Herod as, as a very bad king. But actually, he started off as a very good king. Herod the Great ruled Israel and Judea. On behalf of Rome, the first 24 years of his reign was successful. He established peace throughout the land, made the temple more magnificent than that of Solomon, provided jobs for the working class, and completed a number of large building projects. He was liked as a king. He was, he was well known as a king. Uh, he really ruled in the right way. But in his final nine years... He became less glorious. And really, as, as we think about him, as, as the New Testament reflects him as a tyrant, that was in his last years of being a king. This, this man, he, he murdered his, his own wife and her two brothers. He slain them because he thought maybe that they were being treason. He was always trying to hold on to his throne. And so here is a man who allowed power to go to his head. He became, he became paranoid and allowed the circumstances of the time to influence his judgment. He began to make emotional decisions instead of rational decisions. And so in that, he made a lot of bad decisions. And so look at here in verse 7. When Herod summoned the wise men secretly, so he was kind of doing this uh, in a very secret fashion, and probably because he already had a plan in place, but notice, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And in verse 8 it says this, And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now, I imagine, because I know a little bit about Herod, that if Herod really thought the baby was born, that he would have 
gone as well, or he would have sent some soldiers, or he would have had at least the wise men followed. So I believe that he doesn't really have good confidence that the king of the Jews is actually born. So he thinks that this is going to be a waste of time. And so he goes and he sends them over there and he says, but if you find the child, come back and and give me word. And why does he want to have word? Well, if that babe of Bethlehem is truly born, he wants to know because he doesn't want his throne taken over. He doesn't want his throne in jeopardy. And we know that based upon verse 16. And so notice, then Herod when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all the region who were two years old or younger, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. And so remember, he asked the wise men, when did you see the star? And the wise men said, well, we saw the star at this time. And, and so Herod had a time frame. He knew about what time that the child was born and about the age of the child. And and when the wise men did not return, he thought to himself, it must must be true or there's a possibility that it's true, so I need to go and take care of that. And so very sadly, he reacts uh, really out of uh, emotion and he goes and he kills uh, many children to try to protect his throne. And so these verses, we see just how far Herod was willing to go to remain king. Now, when you think about these two reactions, and we're, we're coming to an end this morning, both the wise men and Herod are in similar positions. Both were wealthy, both were powerful in their own ways, and both had an opportunity to worship the king of the Jews. However, we see two different responses, two completely different responses to that gift given to them that Christmas day. The wise men replied in humility towards Christ. What did they do? They came to worship. Herod replied in hostility towards Christ. Why? Because he wanted to remain king. These are the same two responses we see towards God's gift, the gift of Christmas. We can humbly accept it, realizing that we don't deserve it, or we can continue to reject it, hoping that we can continue to be kings and queens of our own personal kingdoms. And that we continue to hope that maybe those personal kingdoms will never fall as Herod thought. And I don't know where you fall in that spectrum. I don't know, as we think about the Christmas story, as we think about the fact that Jesus Christ came, that that Emmanuel, God, with us. I don't know where you fall in those two responses. I don't know if today you come and you say, I worship the King Or if today you come and you say, I continue to reject the king so that I can continue to be king of my own life and make my own choices. But I do know this, that God's desire for you, God's will for you, is that you humbly come to him. They don't continue to be king of your own life, 
but that you make him king of your life. And how do I know that? Because of that John, First uh, John account that we started off with. Well, first of all, we started off in Exodus. The fact that the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And so God does love. And how does he love? Well, it was made manifest to us, and that's found in 1 John 4, 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And so God's desire is that you accept that gift of love. And so that's what the Christmas story is about. It's not about Christmas trees and Santa Claus and Christmas presents. Those are all holiday traditions. The real Christmas story is about God's love for mankind and the extent he was willing to take so that we might have a relationship with him. And so what will you do? Have you accepted that gift or have you rejected that gift? Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you for an opportunity to stop this Christmas morning to be able to focus on the Christmas story and to be able to focus on these wise men and their response, the way that they responded in confidence. They, they left their home. They, they traveled. They gave up their time and their finances and, and really their safety to go and worship the King of the Jews, the babe of Bethlehem, the Savior of the world. They gave of their confidence. They gave of their gifts. And so, Lord, we, and, they, and they also obeyed uh, you as you redirected them. And, and, Lord, we also pray that would be the same in our lives, that we would not reject the, the gift that you have given to us, but that we would hold on to that tight, realizing that truly your grace, your mercy, your love has been given to us through Jesus Christ. And we pray that that message would continue to change us, that the gospel we continue to change our lives, not only today as we celebrate Christmas, but into this next year and years to come as we reflect on why Jesus came, why he was born in Bethlehem, why he lived in our place, walked in our shoes and lived under the law, why he died in our place and why he rose again so that we might have hope, that we might have assurance of, of a life with you that we might have new spiritual life with you. In Jesus' name, amen.